Welcome to Happy Talks with Dr. Alice and Donovan. Dr. Alice Fong is a holistic naturopathic doctor and founder of Amour de Soi Wellness. And Donovan Jensen is a software engineer and founder of HowToHappy.com. Together, they're out to cause more happiness in the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Happy Talks. My name is Dr. Alice, and this is Donovan. And today, I have a very special guest, my good friend from back in my Maryland days, Dr. Erin Kinney, who is a naturopathic doctor and speaker. And she focuses on treating women who want to improve their mood, their energy, and balance their hormones. So please welcome Dr. Kinney. Welcome, and thanks for joining us here today, Erin. Hey. Great. Thank you guys for having me. Excited yes. to chat. Of course. Yes. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, what was your, what's your story on what led you to becoming a naturopathic doctor and, and treating women with hormone and yes. energy? Yes. So mm-hmm. I, when I was an undergrad, I was a psychology and a business major. I'd originally been pre-med, but decided that I didn't do well with no sleep. So the traditional med school path <laughs> was probably not for me. Yeah. So after college, I took a job and was working and I got really depressed, seriously depressed. I gained weight. I was crying all the time. I couldn't get out of bed. My joints hurt. I, you know, I was physically, I felt horrible. And I went to see my general practitioner at the time. And before I could even finish saying, I think I might be depressed. He'd wit- written me a prescription for Wellbutrin and said, here you go you know, I'll, I'll see you in six weeks. And I walked out the door and I thought, I don't, this just doesn't feel right. I think something's off. Something, I feel like he should have asked me more questions or, you know, there's gotta be a reason why I'm feeling this way physically and emotionally and mentally. And so I called my therapist and I had a visit with her and she listened to my story. And I had been a vegan for a while. And I'd been from, I'd gone from running marathons to, I could barely get out of bed. I'm like, something seems to not be right with diet. Or I don't know. I was like, I knew enough about neurochemistry to know that there was probably not, I didn't have a Wellbutrin deficiency. You know, like there was probably something else going on. So she said, you know, (laughs) yeah, probably. She said, you know, I just had lunch with this new type of doctor, some sort of natural doctor. He just moved into town. Maybe you should go try, try a visit with him. So I went to see this doctor and he spent two hours with me and mm-hmm. determined, you know, ran neurotransmitter levels. Anyways, found out, you know, my B12 was low. My cortisol was low. I essentially had a mix of adrenal fatigue and low B12, low iron. You know, so I had a, a bunch of chemical things wrong with me that had led to me developing depression. And mm-hmm. after, after maybe eight weeks of treatment, I felt almost 85, 90% better. And I thought, wow, this is so cool. Ended up quitting my job, finding a new job. So he helped me not just only physically, he helped me through some emotional stuff. Mm. And about six months later, I, I was, I liked my job, but I kept thinking about how much I loved how he'd helped me. And so I went and had lunch with this doctor and I said, how do you become what you do? And he first of all said, don't do this. <laughs> this is a very <laughs> difficult path. Naturopathic medicine is not for everyone. This is Dr. Pacero, who, who you know. He's oh, a doctor. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah so yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, he said, do not go to naturopathic school. You know, <laughs> but he's like, but if you want to, here's how to do it. And I was like, well, it sounds great. He told me you need to be entrepreneurial. There's not going to be a job. And I'm like, that's perfect. I love to be an entrepreneur. Anyways, mm-hmm. so that was kind of my story. It helped me so much. And I thought, I really want to help 
you know, there are so many women that struggle with depression, that struggle with fatigue, mm -hmm. that struggle with hormone imbalances. And sometimes medication is great. But in my case, you know, I needed a diet change, I needed to increase some nutrients, and I needed to help my adrenals and doing that, you know, turned things around for me pretty quickly. So mm -hmm. no surprise that that's kind of what I ended up focusing on. <laughs> I know the, you know, I know, I know the ins and outs of that pretty well, because I've lived it myself. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the story of how I got. So then I ended up going back to naturopathic school and loved it. And, you know, he was right in a sense. It's not necessarily an easy career as you, <laughs> Dr. Fong, you know, I it's, know. you know, it's not oh, easy, I know. but I love <laughs> it every single day. You know, it's always different. And, um, and I really enjoy helping people, you know, that don't want to just don't want the quick fix. They don't want to take the medication to, you know, suppress the symptom. They want to figure out what's going on and what's the underlying cause. And I think with, hormones in particular, I always explain to my patients that females, especially that your hormonal system, it's like this perfectly orchestrated ballet, you know, there's all these different players, and they all have to do their roles properly. And if one of them is not wearing the right costume or runs in at the wrong time, it can kind of wreak havoc on the whole show. And it can ruin your mood, it can ruin your energy, it can, you know, it can mess a lot of things. And so there's a lot of different things we have to take into account when we're kind of looking at the bigger picture. And I always explain, you know, it's good to have a primary care, it's good to have an endocrinologist, but I think naturopathic doctors are really well versed at looking at the bigger picture. You know, we can kind of understand how does the emotional piece play into the physical stuff? How does stress play into the physical stuff? How does, you know, the medications that you're on, we're just, we're, I think we're, wouldn't you agree that we're trained really well at looking at the bigger or the whole picture of the body? Yeah. And I find that that's what my patients appreciate a lot. They're like, wow, it's so nice to have someone who actually agrees that maybe this random little symptom actually has something to do with, you know, my periods or, you know, something hormonal related. Which mm -hmm. that's a long, a long-winded answer to that. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but. I, I absolutely agree with the, that idea in that, you know, it's not that I'm, we're against medication. There's definitely a time and a need for it, but it's just like, if that's the yeah. only option given to people when there's so many other things that contribute to depression, and really looking at what the root cause is and looking, hey, maybe if you change up your diet, yeah. maybe if you look at those nutritional deficiencies and supplement mm -hmm. for those, that would make a difference before the medication. Because I think like in today's society, oh, yeah. you just feel like, oh, your options are medication and, and therapy and that's it. And there's just like, there's so much more available that people don't even realize. And it's really navigating that landscape and kind of like I like your analogy with the the players on the field of just like yeah it's not always a straight forward simple like it's everyone doesn't have the same solution <laughs> kind of like complicated and it depends yes. on which player yes. is not playing correctly and you have to figure what that out what that yeah mm -hmm. and timing and I I you know I I feel like and particularly this year I've seen I mean I've always treated women with a lot of hormone issues but this year I've seen a huge increase in anxiety, depression, particularly related to a woman's hormonal cycle. So I'll get women to come in. They're like, I feel like I only feel good one week out of the month. I'm, you know, I'm getting really irritable, really anxious the week that I'm ovulating. I'm so per super depressed and anxious the week before my period. I feel super tired on my period. So there's been a lot of, and I, it, I know it's because of all the stress we've all been under this year, but um, what, wait, I was going to talk about that. Oh, when, and when it comes to testing hormones, I find that a lot of women will go to their doctor and they get tested and they don't really care what day of the cycle it's on. They're like, Oh, your hormones look fine. But you know, they were tested on day three of their cycle when all their symptoms are typically happening on day 21. And like I said, it's a very, you know, the first 20 minutes of the ballet might be looking totally fine, but if it's the last 20 minutes, that things are wrong. We need to 
you know, analyze what's going on with the players and, you know, or the, the dancers in that last 20 minutes. So, you know, the time, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different intricacies when we're looking at hormones, you know, and testing for them and taking history and figuring out where the, cause your hormones might be totally imbalanced for, you know, day five till day 15 of your cycle, but then they're completely out of whack for the second half. I kind of jumped ahead. To the- yeah, definitely. I, I can see the, the value of just kind of Hey, maybe try testing when you feel abnormal or just like not yourself. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What else have you seen as far as like the impact on hormones um, just from the stressful year that everyone's been having this year? Well, so typically um, I see that when people are having PMS or major mood shifts around hormone stuff, it's, it's usually what we call the pregnenolone steal. So in the second half of your cycle, your progesterone should rise and then it drops. And that's what's, what causes bleeding. But sometimes your progesterone can get a little bit low because when you're stressed out, the body will steal progesterone and shunt it towards pregnenolone and then to cortisol to help you deal with the stress. So I find that a lot, a lot of times high stressful situations for a prolonged period of time can start to lower women's progesterone in the second half of their cycle. And, and I'm seeing that a lot on when I'm testing. I'm like, oh, the same thing, like day 21, your progesterone's really low. This is probably what's causing the majority of your symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so, and in some cases, you know, women will say, oh, I just want to take progesterone. Really the, the issue is that they're so stressed and they're so their body's shunting all of this progesterone production towards cortisol so they can deal with their stress. So it really, at the end of the day, it's kind of an adrenal issue. Their adrenals are exhausted. They can't make as much cortisol as they need to, to deal with the stress. Cause that's mm-hmm. what cortisol, I like to explain cortisol as the body's fix it hormone. It's what, it's what helps us accomplish things. You know, we think of it as the stress hormone or the bad hormone, but in reality, it's, it's a really important hormone. It's what controls our waking, um, like our dire and our rhythms. It's what wakes us up in the morning. The drop off of cortisol is what helps us fall asleep. And it's also, you know, if you hit your knee really hard or if you injure yourself, the first thing the body's going to do is going to send cortisol there to fix it. Much like you would when you go to get a steroid shot of prednisone, which is basically synthetic cortisol, prednisone or any of those steroids will actually heal things in the body. So cortisol is the body's natural is, is the way that the body heals itself for in a lot of different ways. So, but it also is what we pump out when we're responding to stress. Mm-hmm. So in a year like 2020, where our amygdalas are constantly being signaled to pump out stress response, our adrenals are pumping out cortisol, you know, every single day, every single minute you watch the news, you see a mask, there's constant, constant stress triggers. And so if you're pumping out cortisol all the time, and you're not letting the body build it back up, you're going to start to get lower levels. And if you have lower levels of cortisol, when you're stressed, you're not going to have enough to go around to kind of fix things. And if the body sees that there's progesterone, this is a long way to answer. If there's progesterone hanging out in that second half of your cycle, it's going to say, Hmm, you know what? The adrenals are a little fatigued. I don't have what I need to make cortisol, but there's some progesterone over there. We're just going to steal that. And it's kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. We're going to then, you know, shunt this mm-hmm. over here to cortisol so we can deal with the stress. But now, unfortunately, your hormones are really out of balance and you feel like a crazy person for the week before your period. <laughs> so um, so that's kind of the long minute of what happens when, you know, you're under prolonged stress and how if, if you're not helping your body to rebuild cortisol stores, it can start to affect, you know, the female hormones. And this can happen with men too. Cortisol can also get shunted into the um, like and, and androgenic pathway. So towards DHEA or towards... Um, testosterone. So men's hormone levels can start to fall if their adrenals are really stressed as well. So, you know, I think in men, it'll start to affect sex drive. It might start to 
affect their mood. It might start to affect um, their ability to put on muscle or to lose weight. So, it, you know, the stress definitely has a huge impact on our production of hormones or you know, stealing of those hormones to kind of pump mm-hmm. towards cortisol, mm-hmm. which is, it's a bummer that it's happening. <laughs> that, that does sound like a bummer. And I'm, I, you know, I understand all that because I'm a doctor and I also focus in stress. Yes. But I would have liked to know if Donovan, <laughs> if that all made sense to you yes. as someone who's not a doctor and, um, and if you have any questions about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it definitely makes sense to a degree, right? Of course, like I don't have all the background in it. Um, I think the angle that I would, I would like to approach it from that might help, uh, you know, a lay person that doesn't understand every single one of the terms is, okay, let's say that, uh, you know, I'm not feeling great. I go in and get some tests. It looks like my hormones are out of whack in some way. Where do we go from there, right? Like, let's say that I have too much cortisol. What What are the next couple steps that that we're kind of looking at? Is it like stress stress reduction techniques? Are we looking at some some sort of diet changes? Does it depend on how the hormone changes come come through? Like, I guess for for me as someone who wouldn't understand all the nuances, the important piece would be like, okay, if this is the problem I'm facing what do we kind of do to start unraveling it and get back to the baseline? Yeah. So, and this is obviously a question that I come across a lot. Like, you know, I get people on the phone and they're like, well, okay, I think there's something wrong with my adrenals. Where do I even start? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pose this as an analogy because I think this is when a lot of my patients it resonates with them. So I like to think of cortisol as the body's currency that it or money, if you will, that it uses to do things in the body, right? So if you, when you wake up in the morning and you have energy and you're doing things, you're using cortisol. If you go for a run, you're using cortisol. If you hurt your knee and need to fix something. So every time we're basically doing things or stressed, we're using cortisol. When you relax or you're sleeping, you're earning cortisol. So at a very, very basic, like at a very, very basic Um, Mm -hmm. level of kind of way to understand this is that when you want to fix your adrenals, you need to basically put cortisol in the bank. You need to save more than you're spending. And most of us, everyone's heard the term burning the candle from both ends. You know, we're we're, we're working, we're not sleeping, you know, we're doing a lot, but we're not getting enough rest. So when you do that, you're basically you're lowering your cortisol reserves. And now a lot of us will, you know, if we get four hours of sleep at night and we still have to work a full day, we'll drink coffee or, you know, we'll take a stimulant or we'll just push through. And the body kind of like a bank, the body will give you a line of credit. The body will say, okay, you know, you don't actually have enough cortisol to get through the day, but we'll lend you a little bit for the next day or two. And then, and once you keep doing this, you, the, the bank will, will keep lending you money until you get to a point where the bank's like, sorry, you're not making enough payments. You're not resting enough. We're no longer good. And so that's when people get chronic fatigue. The bank is, nope, no more. You can't get out of bed. You're exhausted. I, I kind of yeah. hit that point in my 20s where I couldn't get out of bed. I could, My joints hurt. I was in severe adrenal fatigue. I'd been burning the candle at both ends for probably 10 years. Hadn't been resting, been running too much, wasn't feeding myself the right nutrients. And so- you know, there were a lot of different things and different details that I had to do, but from a, as a very, I basically had to start resting more to allow my body to rebuild cortisol. And that's, that's what I usually want people to take away when I try to explain to them about trying to get your adrenals back on track is it's really about just saving more than you spend in terms of that sort of analogy. Does that, does that make sense? So, and, and 
you were asking about, are there diets? Are there, yes, there are definitely, you know, when we think about it from a pure caloric standpoint, if you're, you know, burning the candle from both ends and you're eating 300 calories a day, that's not going to be so good. You have to give your body what it needs to build cortisol. So um, yeah, and there's certain diets that might be better for certain people, but kind of as, yeah, the basic idea is that we need to rebuild the system and allow enough rest so the body can regenerate some of that of that hormone so it's not stealing from the other hormones does that make sense yeah i think so i'm going to try to to play back to you you let me know if there's gaps or or how close it is but it sounds like in general it's kind of this fully functioning system where you need cortisol for a number of different activities and depending on the way you structure your life um, you're making certain payments or you're using up certain amounts of this cortisol and there are also activities which can help you build cortisol. So if you are out of balance, uh, you know, you can keep functioning for a while, like you were saying, but at some point you're going to be so far in debt, you're going to be so far in need of cortisol for a number of different things. So it can, it sounds like it can manifest in a number of different ways that you're going to start feeling these sorts of effects until you start making these adjustments. And they can be across uh, a bunch of different realms, right? It can be across diet. It can be across uh, you know, your, your work schedule and, and stress, it can be across, I'm sure a, a number of other things. Um, but that's, that's basically what I heard yeah. as the gist of it. Yeah, you got it. You're a quick study. That's, that's, that is basically, that is the basics that I want when I'm working with people, I want them to take away that concept. And then we kind of will dive into the, okay, you know, let's go test your progesterone. Let's test your testosterone because every, every, every person's going to be a little bit different, you know, in one male, it might be that their testosterone is level and another female it might be that their progesterone is low or their estrogen is low. And, you know, depending on what's going on with them, we kind of will tailor make mm-hmm. some of the more nuanced parts of their treatment plan. But, you know, I, I recommend for all my patients to build in some sort of rest time during the day. You know, if they're working a crazy busy day, I have them go take a 10 minute nap or lay down or build in a 15 minute meditation during the day. Meditation is probably one of the best ways to build cortisol. If you're a practice at meditation and you can get into those deep brain waves, you're going to build cortisol double almost faster than you would when you just are sleeping or resting. So, you know, if you don't already have a meditation practice and you're struggling with um, feeling overwhelmed or stressed, now is a really great time to start one. I'm sure you're recommending this to most of your patients as well. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would be functioning without, I only meditate for five to 10 minutes a day. I don't think I could be handling this year if I didn't have those five (laughs) or 10 minutes. And not that, you know, in some days I, feel like I don't handle my stress well, but the days that I meditate, I handle it much better. And I think it is because you're just allowing your body to have a little bit of a recharge time. You know, it's like plugging your phone in. You got, if you don't plug your phone in, the batteries are going to die and then you're not going to have a phone. That makes, that's a good analogy too. I, I love your analogy. Yeah. I'm going to steal some of that when I'm talking to people. I, oh no, but, please do. Yeah. I, I uh. feel like, I feel like when I first was in practice, I was, or when I was in med school, I had to explain physiology to myself in an analogy. I mean, I would memorize this stuff for me to really understand the concept. Analogies are really great. Oh, I know. So I like my patients to walk away going, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like I got to plug, I got to charge my batteries or, you know, I'm spending more than I make or <laughs> some mm-hmm. sort of, because it's, I feel like when I really find that the patients of mine that get better are the ones that really understand what's going on in their body. They're more likely to do what I tell them when they are very aware of you know, what has happened to get them there and what they need to do to get better. 
Because if you don't really understand why you're doing something, you're less likely to take the capsules every day or to drink the water or to make the diet change or to, you know, or to meditate. You know, if I just tell people, oh, you need to meditate, they're not going to do that. But if I sit down with them for 15 minutes and I explain to them, here's what happens when you meditate and here's, you know, they're much more likely to do it. Definitely. So, yeah. And I, I, I'm a huge advocate for meditation and it, it makes a big difference. And I know for a lot of people, they're kind of caught up with like, like, I don't have time to meditate. And I, I, when I actually have a consistent meditation practice, I feel like I, 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 and again, it's gotta be like five minutes, five minutes cause I'm a busy person too. Yeah. But when yeah I can't be that. Time, yeah. It's just like, it, I feel like I can get way more done in the day because I just kind of yeah. like calm myself and I can just achieve more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that makes, that makes me think of, I, I mostly work with women, but I, I will end up treating the husbands of the females that I, that I treat. And I have a few male CEOs that I've been treating for a while. Yeah. yeah. But I have, a, I have this one, this one patient, he runs a really big company mm-hmm. and he came in, I'd helped his wife and he came in and typical man, he's like, I'm here because I'm so tired in the afternoon and my company's revenue is suffering because I can't focus. I can't get through my emails. I can't get things done. So he really wasn't there for himself. He was like, I'm here because my, my you know, my focus is affecting my, my bottom line. Mm-hmm. So, and we talked and we, we adjust some diet stuff. We kind of balance his blood sugar. But one of the biggest changes that he did was that he adopted a 10 minute meditation practice after lunch every day. And he did that for about a month and he came back in and he was blown away he was one of those people he would I never I don't have time to meditate I'm never going to do it but I convinced him to give it a try and he mm-hmm. said it was like he had a whole second you know it's like a whole new day in the afternoon he felt like he woke up fresh and he would get things done from 2 p.m to 5 p.m and his, you know the revenue picked back up and he was he was almost astounded that this simple 10 minute act changed you know not only his how he felt but it was changing his company's performance which you know is a really cool so, and I have, I have a lot of little stories like that where people will add a little bit of meditation in and just the, the mm-hmm. huge positive changes that they see in their life, in their energy, in their mood, and a lot of the things that, you know, that we're working on when people are um, out of balance. Definitely. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think meditation is one of the most powerful tools that people can try, and it tends to work for uh, just a pretty good chunk of the population. I would be curious going on that same, you know, thought line. Are there other things that you see either in the help rebuild or quickly deplete category, uh, other like activities, right? So let's say that I've tried meditation and for whatever reason, I'm in the small percentage of the population. That's like, I did it for 10 minutes every day for a month. I'm not getting anything. What other, what other venues are there? And then, um, like I mentioned, if there's anything else that you see that like just crushes people's cortisol levels that they can maybe adjust on the other end like taking a toll on their adrenals yeah, yeah, yeah. is that what you at? like making so, yeah, both, so certain both things sides. that make One people better and certain things yep. yeah yep. yeah so i mean i think in terms of lifestyle practices you know if someone i, I have a few people they'll come to me and they're like i just can't meditate so typically i'll talk to them and i'll say okay i want you to just lay horizontal for 10 minutes and daydream because that in and of itself can be a form of meditation Um, But other activities, sex is a really great, whether it's with a partner or with yourself, when you're engaged in sexual activity, it it activates your parasympathetic nervous system. And Mm -hmm. 
So basically when you're in fight flight or when you're under stress, we call that the sympathetic nervous system. And when you're in that mode, you're spending cortisol. When you're in rest and digest or the parasympathetic mode, you're earning cortisol. And when you are sexually aroused, it kind of flips your system into parasympathetic. So, um, you know, if you don't have a partner, masturbation is a great way to do that. So even just like fantasize, you know, if you can't meditate, then go lay down for 10 minutes and think about a nice sexual experience. It will actually help to turn on your parasympathetics and help build your cortisol. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like, Ooh, it's sex, but it, it actually, it's really, it's really beneficial for your nervous system and it'll help you build cortisol. Um, so that, I mean, sleep, which, you know, none of us get enough of sleep is another And it's, I mean, I guess we could call it an activity, but sleep, meditation, sex, those are the big ones. And, and I would also say doing something that you really enjoy. So that might differ, you know, for someone, it might be going and riding horse or going for a walk outside or playing chess or something that calms your system down so that you're not stressed. You're in, you know, you're in that parasympathetic mode, that's going to help you build more, more cortisol. And, um, and then as far as kind of on the other end, what are things that kind of burn you out more, I think can vary from person to person, but I think it's really good. I teach this workshop and I'll have people first try to recognize all of the different things in their life that could potentially be causing them stress. You know, obviously, you know, first thing we look at is, you know, you know, maybe it's work or is it your kids or is it your spouse, but then you want to look at, okay, am I living in an environment that's full? You know, is there mold in my house or is there something living in me that's causing stress? So there could be, you know, viruses, bacteria, you know, if you're sick, that stuff can take a major toll on your body. Um, I think emotional stress is probably one of the things that we sometimes don't realize. So maybe you've got a, not a great friendship or a relationship with a parent or a relationship with a loved one that's really taking a toll on you. Um, mm -hmm. And this is where a good therapist can come in to help you kind of set your set boundaries. And um, so, and then the other thing I see in a lot of the women that I treat is, is over exercise. So if you're not getting enough sleep and you're not engaging in any of these practices to build cortisol mm -hmm. and you're going to the gym for two hours a day, not the best. I mean, exercise is wonderful. Don't get me wrong. And I want everyone to be having, you know, have a good exercise practice in their life. But if you're exercising too much, if you're running too much, or if you're, because exercise will put you into fight flight and you're not allowing the body to build cortisol, that can really rapidly drain you. Mm. So there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of different things that can drain you. And again, it's kind of case to case, but I think looking at emotional factors and making sure you're not overdoing it on a physical side are the kind of the big ones that I see. Yeah, I think that's great. That gives just, you know, like for anyone who's thinking about it, a bunch of different touch points to start considering and looking at. And I just wanted to yeah. make sure that we had, you know, a couple extra like resources and pieces in case yeah. meditation happens to not work for somebody. Yeah. And sometimes it might, you know, I hated meditation for a really long time. It's like, I'm not going to meditate. I was recommending it all the time. I'm like, I'm never going to meditate. My brain just wouldn't shut up. But I started with a visualization technique and I still do. When I meditate, I imagine myself doing yoga for the first three minutes because it focuses my brain. And so, and then it, it calms my brain down enough that I'm actually able to do a more traditional meditation type practice with breath work. Because when I first try to sit there, my brain's going a million miles a minute and I can't seem to get, but if I'm focused, I do three sun salutations in my mind. I also think, you know, maybe it's kind of similar to as if I were actually doing the yoga. I don't know. <laughs> they say yoga. But that's just a trick that, yeah. Yoga is a great exercise that kind of, blends getting the physical benefit and the meditation piece or the breath work piece. I right. think it's a nice way to kind of calm and balance the nervous system. 
Mm-hmm. So if you don't, try, but yoga is not for everyone either, you know, but if you are yeah. someone who wants to try it, it can definitely be helpful. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good yeah. point that you made because it's like, people might try it for, you know, a couple of weeks and they're like, it's not for me, but you realize that you're learning, it can be challenging and, you know, it is yeah. hard to turn off our brain and it's, it's not necessarily even about turning off our brain, but just being in the present um, and yes. being with whatever there is that there is to be had in your mind. Um, so yeah, I think that's a yeah. good point that you made for people that are like, oh, it's not for me kind of a thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe not, but you know, stick it out. Or maybe you just haven't given it enough tries. Yeah. Stick it out. Yeah. I think we try, kind of, try different methods. I always, There's so many opportunities. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Try different methods or remember that meditation, like anything else is a practice, you know, some days are going to be great, great. And other days it's going to be really shitty. Sorry. I curse, but, um, you know, some mornings I'm like this, I am not, I am not going to finish this meditation. Cause I'm not, but I will come back to it again the next day because just like some days you go for a run and you feel horrible, but the next day you run and you feel great. So it's, it's about the practice of it. Um, anyways, so, and I think even if you go and just lay down or sit quietly for a few minutes, you're still going to get the benefit of the building of cortisol, whether your brain turns off or not. Yeah. Um, you'll get more benefit okay. if you can yeah. get your brain to shut off, but yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah. Yeah, I like that. That just seems simple. Just go, go lay down for a little bit. <laughs> just for a few minutes. I'm yeah. Like, I, I call it getting that. horizontal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go get horizontal for 10 minutes a day. That's what I tell. I'm just start with that. Just go lay down. You can listen to music. You could read a book. You don't want to be on a screen. So don't have your phone yeah. or a TV, just lay down, close your eyes. I, I think it's great to listen to music. Um, just, and focus on the muse and that in and of itself can be a meditation, but the act of laying down will lower your blood pressure. It'll lower your heart rate. It'll again, put your system into parasympathetic, which is what we want it to be in when we're trying to build that hormone cortisol. And again, you know, if, if you are someone who's listening, who's struggling with some sort of, or you think you're struggling with some sort of hormonal imbalance, I really think, especially in today's world, particularly this year that the hormones are all kind of out of balance and the root cause is mostly because our cortisol has been so elevated for so long. Um, and that's kind of throwing everything out of whack. So cortisol is the, is the dancer that's wearing the wrong costume and is running back and forth and messing up the entire ballet this, this year. Yeah. yeah. Messing all, messing the whole Everyone. show up ballet show (laughs) of course I'd be curious you know for people who are kind of not sure what you know I think when people think of hormones they think of like menstruation and periods and like cramping and irritability but I don't I'm pretty sure like Mm. obviously hormones impact way beyond just like menstrual woman cycle oh what would people like who wasn't sure if they were dealing with hormone issues like what would they look out for I guess that's not yes. like the class. So sometimes, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I gotcha. So um, fatigue can be a big one. Anxiety mm. and depression are are mm. really commonly linked with hormones. Um, and acne or skin changes, um, low sex drive, um, the other ones, weight gain or weight loss, or just generally feeling bloated or having GI issues. Um, a lot of GI stuff can be linked back to hormones. And sometimes that's often missed. People will go see GI specialists after GI specialists, and they can't quite figure out why they're having, you know, bloating or cramping. And they think it's related, you know, or they're having strange bowel movements, but sometimes it can be related to hormones. And what I, what I find a lot is that, um, women will often 
like in my case, I, I wasn't told this, but a lot of women in their early 20s, if they're dealing with anxiety or depression, they're told, here's an antidepressant and also you should take the birth control pill. Because I think Western medicine knows that, oh, you know, some women get a little anxious and maybe it's hormonally related. So they say, here, take the pill, which stops you from ovulating and kind of keeps your hormones pretty mm-hmm. like this. But it, it ends up, the pill can end up causing a lot of anxiety and depression. It can end up causing ins- oh, insomnia, sleep issues is another big one that I, that I missed. So if you're either sleeping too much or having trouble falling asleep or waking up in the middle of the night, that could be, or having hot flashes, um, you know, there's, there's a there's a lot of different things that hormones can cause. So a hormone is a chemical messenger and typically, so let's take estrogen, for example, everyone's heard of estrogen. It's one of the predominant female hormones and it can be involved in a lot of different cancers and certain people that have more receptors for estrogen can be more likely to develop certain types of cancer. My point in this is that, um, you have receptors for hormones all over your body in all types of different tissues. So meaning that hormonal symptoms can be in all different systems in the body. So it it can kind of, you know, typically my women that are coming in, they have a laundry list of symptoms that, you know, seem somewhat unrelated, but when we start to kind of unravel the case, it's like, Oh, yep, this all goes back to, you know, the hormones are out of balance or, um, so it can be a lot of different things. So if, if you've got something weird going on and it's not necessarily tied to your menstrual period, don't rule a hormonal imbalance out, I guess would be kind of the point. You probably, you might want to get, because we haven't touched on this on thyroid stuff much, but there's, you know, there's, there's your female sex hormones and male sex hormones. And then there's your stress hormones, which include cortisol. And then there's your thyroid hormone, which is another master hormone that controls metabolism. It has to do with bowel movements, with hair, with skin, body temperature. It regulates a lot of processes in the body. And, um, and so if your thyroid is either under-functioning or over-functioning, that can start to cause a lot of different issues in the body. And I've seen, I like to imagine the, these three hormones that I just discussed. So you've got cortisol, thyroid hormone, and your sex hormones. They're in kind of a little triangle. When they're in balance, they're like this. If one of them goes up or goes down, it's going to affect the other two. So if, if cortisol goes up for a while, you know, it can cause a dip in your thyroid or it can cause a dip in your sex hormones, or if thyroid's really overactive, it can cause a dip. in. so, you know, you want them all in balance. So it's important to get, if you're working with a doctor or you're trying to figure out what's going on to make sure you get all of those pieces checked out. Um, and I also, when I use this little, sorry, I don't have a picture, but it's a little analogy. I always talk about blood sugar kind of in the center because if blood sugar is up or down or whatever it's doing it can affect all three of those so you know that's kind of how diet comes into play um keeping your blood sugar balanced and keeping the right you know eating the right foods for you is going to make sure that it's going to help keep those hormones in balance you know if you're someone who's diabetic or if you don't eat a lot and you're suffering from low blood sugar drops it's going to have an effect on either cortisol or thyroid or your sex hormones so I know this is a lot of, there's, there, again, there's a lot of different players. There's a lot of different things that can go on. But again, I think that the takeaway is, is that simple message of you want to make sure for all of these things that you're saving more than you're spending. That's, that I think helps in all situations. So whether you're dealing with thyroid issues or sex hormone issues or cortisol issues, the rest piece or the doing the things for the parasympathetic nervous system are going to help your symptoms across the board. So that's mm-hmm. the thing that I try to get my, I try to help ha- like hammer that home with my patients is that make sure you're getting appropriate rest, make sure, you know, you are not burning the candle at both ends. That's just going to make everything in the body not work properly. And 
And a lot of us do it. I'm guilty of it too. I probably every couple of years have to say, okay, I need to go through a no phase. I'm doing too many things. I need to, yeah. I need to back up. I need more rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, we've all, we've all been there. Definitely. All right. Well, um, do, do you have any other questions, Donovan? Or- no, the, the last thing or only other thing that I wanted to highlight is, like I said, uh, from a perspective of not being completely immersed in some of this, um, mm-hmm. I think explanations are really good. Um, I think it's nice to kind of have that overarching idea, which may or may not map perfectly to exactly what's going on, but it's close enough that you can make progress on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you, you dove into some of the details and use some of the terminology. And I think it is at the right balance um, for to be approachable for anyone to kind of start understanding these ideas. We, we talked about, you know, a couple different areas that you can look at, different things that you can try or consider. Um, so I think we've really like covered this topic in a nice way that is very digestible. So I just appreciate the way that you were able to string it all together. Sure, some days it comes out really well. Some days it's all over the place. I'm glad this, glad this talk turned out well. <laughs> yes, it definitely did. And Dr. Kinney, was, is there anything you'd like to plug um, before we wrap up today? Yeah, so I'm about to launch a podcast. It'll launch January 11th. And um, if you want to, learn more info about you can follow me on instagram at dr kinney or you can follow me on facebook at dr kinney as well i also if you're interested in what we talked about today i have a free download on my website for a webinar where i dive very deeply into all of this cortisol stuff that we discussed today and it's got pictures and some of the things that i was talking about so if you're interested in that you can get it on my website www.drarenkinney.com just need to name an email and you'll get sent that and it's it's a good it's a, and I give you some good tips, some of the stuff we talked about today, but more in detail about how you can start to rebuild some of your cortisol stores, mm. you know, kind of balance your hormones out. So if you want to learn more, you can go, go check that out. Yeah. And we'll, we'll include her website link in the description below. And Dr. Kinney, it's been a pleasure. It's go so good to see you again awesome. and chat with you and connect. And um, yeah, I want to thank you for joining. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Happy Talks with Dr. Allison Donovan. We hope you got something of value to help bring a little more happiness into your life. What lesson or takeaway did you get from today's episode? For more tips and tools, be sure to check out my website at dralicefong.com. And you can find me on my social media handles at dralicefong. You can find me at howtohappy.com and follow me on my social media handles at howtohappy. Catch Catch you next time. time.